You're listening to the Heritage Ag Solutions Podcast here in Monmouth, Illinois. I'm Justin Alleman. On our show, we discuss agronomy, grain marketing, and other topics to help you improve your profitability. Today, I'm joined by Golden Harvest Agronomy Manager Steve Wilkins. Steve brings us an update on what he's seeing for crop conditions around the region, and he shares an update to the naming system that Golden Harvest will be using for our hybrids moving forward. Finally, our conversation wraps up with some agronomic information on two new numbers we will be adding to our corn lineup here for the West Central Illinois region. Here is our conversation. All right. Well, today we are talking with Golden Harvest Agronomy Manager for the Eastern Region, Steve Wilkins. And uh, Steve, in your role, you're working with agronomists and growers from all across the region. So I guess so far to date, what are you hearing as far as crop conditions in certain areas and, and what do things look like out there? Yeah, great question, Justin. And, you know, with every single year, it varies on the whole this year. I think the crops in the central to eastern corn belt look very good. Uh, We've had ample rain in a lot of areas recently. Certainly we've had heat. Um, That heat has helped catch us up from a little bit of a delayed planting period. So while there's certainly isolated spots where we've got too much water and areas where we don't have enough, I'm going to say on the whole, I think we have a good opportunity to set some yield records in some areas. And I think we're sitting, for the most part, on the corn side of the equation. Really, really good. Most of this crop now is getting to or at pollination. The weather has cooled down a little bit. So ear counts look great from what we've seen so far. Pollinations look really good. So um, on the corn side of the ledger, I think a lot of us are looking at a pretty solid to maybe in, in some cases a record type of a crop. Now, on the soybean side, uh, that to me is a little bit still up in the air. Um, I don't really tend to look so much at the height of the beans. It's all about nodes and uh, how many flowers and pods we ultimately have. But beans look to be struggling some. And if we look at the weather forecast into the first half and to middle of August, we have significant heat and a lot of rain has kind of backed out of the forecast. So uh, while I'm pretty optimistic on what might be coming the way for potential corn yields, I think beans are still a wait and see. I don't see a huge amount of yield potential on soybeans right now in that record area. Uh, I see a good crop, but we're going to need a little bit of help here in the month of August to help get us into what I guess the USDA is saying needs to be a 51.5 bushel. In my opinion, as of today, we might be on the outside looking in here a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and just to remind the uh, listeners, you live up north and that's uh, Wisconsin, right? I do. My family farm is in uh, southeast Wisconsin. We've been there for a couple of uh, generations. Uh, The crop up there is good, but we're behind. Uh, If we have an average prostate, Uh, A lot of not just Wisconsin, but certainly as you get into Minnesota and Dakotas, uh, that's going to take some bushels off the top. So uh, heat's catching us up, but catching up during grain fill is the wrong time of year to catch up to maintain high yields. Uh, So we'll wait and see once what happens. But crop looks good on paper, uh, but we're going to need, 
you know, uh, I'll say an October 20th frost date versus an October 5th or 10th. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and you and I had corresponded a couple weeks ago, and you said at that time, you said that tar spot was starting to develop in your area. Is that still the case? Certainly is. Uh, we learned a lot about tar spot last year. We're learning more about it this year, and we'll continue to learn about it in years going forward. I think some of the mantra early on was tar spot can be attributed to cool and wet. And then last year happened and we saw tar spot spread into incredibly drought prone and dry areas. We're talking Western Iowa into the Eastern half of uh, Nebraska. And so again, this year uh, we're seeing tar spot actually show up in larger presence in more dry areas. So certainly we have it in every state. Uh, we know we will, that's not really a surprise, but, Eastern, East Central, Iowa, Central Wisconsin, those were kind of the first places that it started to appear and show up. And I'm not ultimately surprised by that, but it wasn't your traditional Great Lakes region of, say, um, Northern Illinois, uh, Northwest Indiana, Western Michigan, where we've seen it be most pronounced in years past. So we'll get it there. Uh, no doubt about it. People need to remember tar spot from the time you see the spec uh, you've had that infection in the plan for just about three weeks so you know with the la latest amount of rains and stuff coming through that gave us the inoculum so we're going to see it but i'm optimistic uh, that with matching good genetics utilizing good fungicides we can keep it at bay this year and we don't have any uh you know, i'd say train wrecks or real problem areas out in the market mm-hmm Okay, good to know. Just it's definitely something to keep an eye out for and manage as we approach, um, you know, getting to August, like you said, that delayed period where by the time you get infected and you see it, there's some time in there. So definitely something we need to manage and be careful with. You're absolutely right. You don't want to fall asleep at the wheel and tar spot. And the reason I say that is for most of us, our grain field period on our crops right now is, let's just call it 60, 65 days. And, and specifically for tar spot, our best fungicides are going to give us, you know, two to three weeks, eh, I'll say three weeks of activity. So you still have a lot of risk on the table and as aggressive as tar spot can be and melting down your plants and really affecting not just grain fill, but late season stock quality and standability. Guys don't want to lose what I think could be a record yield with record uh, margins and profits this year because they didn't put that last application on to help secure the yield and the crop that's in the field. Mm hmm. Absolutely. But the main reason um, I wanted to connect with you today, Steve, is that as Golden Harvest is currently in the process of rolling out our updated seed guides for the 2023 uh, growing season. And we actually have some changes or updates uh, in those about how we label our hybrids. All right. So let's walk through our previous uh, numbering system, how that worked get a grasp on that, and then hopefully once we understand how, how that worked and, and that system was used, then that will help us understand what this new update does and how maybe that will simplify things for some folks. Uh, so just for an example, let's take G11V76, and that comes in two trait platforms. We've got the Duracade 5122, but then also a 3120. So can you walk us through that numbering system, what that meant, and how those two trait platforms are different for the same number? Certainly. So in this case, let's first focus on 
uh, the 3120 version. So the, the first number in that is a three, and the three signified that it was protection for the above ground insect complex. So it was a technology series that signified it, this product has protection on all of the various pests on the above ground complex, okay? Now the second number, in this case, in the 3120, it would be the number one, that signified how many traits we had in this plant that protected against above ground broad lep protection. So we had one trait in here that protected against the above ground broad leps. Let's go back and say in the 3120, now the, the next number that we come to is a two. And that number again tells us how many traits we have in this plant that protect against European corn borer. Okay, and then the final number in this case in a 3120 is zero. And that number tells us how many traits we have for protection against corn rootworm, which in this case makes perfect sense. It would be zero because we're talking about above ground insect protection and we don't have any in above ground insect protection. Okay, so now we also have this product in a Duracade. Now we're looking at a 5000 series nomenclature, and that five signifies both above and below ground insect protection. So in this case, the product is a 5122, which again, the five signified technology series in CRW. The one told us how many traits we have for above ground broad lep. The two told us what we have for above ground corn borer protection. And now we also have a number two at the very end, which is telling us we have two traits in this product to protect against the corn rootworm complex. So really, when you have a product that has an above and a below ground, the vast majority of time, the traits for your corn borer and your broad laps are the same. And then the difference is, do I or don't I have CRW protection? Okay, so that's the way that Syngenta and the Golden Harvest brand has done things in the past. But as you alluded to a little bit, uh, we're going to make some changes and we're going to simplify, I think, a couple of things. So our customers can just look at something and have probably a better understanding of what's actually going on and what traits are in the hybrid that they're looking at and selecting. Mm -hmm. And before we get started on those new uh, naming system, I, I do want to touch on another number of ours as an example. We've got G15J91, and that's available as a 3220 package. So um, I'll handle this one to make sure I understand it correctly. The three that comes first signifies it's the above ground technology package. And then we have two traits for broad lep and two traits for corn bore, the 3220. Uh, but that last digit being zero, that does not give us below ground protection for corn rootworm. Absolutely. We get the question a lot over the years of how do I know if a product had Viptera in it or if it doesn't? And with the older nomenclature, it was always very easy to actually delineate if you have VIP in a product or not. And the way you would do that is if your second and your third number in the technology series matched, you had VIP. So for instance, in a 3120, 
the second and the third would be the one and the two. They don't match. Those products don't have Viptera in it. In the case of a 3220, you have a two and a two. They match. You have VIP in it. We also had some hybrids that we would have a 3330. And again, the threes and the threes match. The product had Viptera in it. It would be the same for the above and below Duracade stacks. A 5122 did not have VIP in it. But a 5222 or a 5332, those numbers paired up and matched, you have VIP in it. So that's a little bit of their older way of doing it for people who wanted to have a understanding or know that. But uh, while those traits all stay the same, the way we're going to market them this year and onward, that will change. Mm-hmm. Well, and call me biased, but you mentioned Viptera. That would be one of the like the leading trait package out there covering the widest spectrum of above ground um, dis- or, uh, pests. Is that correct? Well, absolutely. I mean, Viptera has, since its inception, been the most effective um, above ground insect control option in the industry. Uh, there is not another above ground trait uh, that gives us more protection um, anywhere. So, you know, you're looking at above ground insect complex, you're, you're really looking at, I think it's like uh, 12 to 13 um, different insects that can reduce yield and give us problems. And VIP is the only one that's giving us broad-based activity on all of those. So it, it's probably uh, not just the most unique, but the most valuable trait in corn on the marketplace when you look at the broad spectrum of all of the different insects that it controls. But again, VIP is only for above ground. It does not do anything for corn rootworms or the below ground insect complex. Uh, okay, so now that we've kind of wrapped our minds around what the the previous naming system was and the different digits and what they represented, how does the new naming system simplify things for us? So the new naming system is going to do away with all of the numbers that we just described and went through. So what we're doing is we're transferring what would have been, you know, an AgriSure 5222 type um, product, and we're just going to call it Duracade Viptera. So a grower knows when he purchases it, he has Duracade, which is going to give him corn rootworm protection along with Viptera, that's going to give the most comprehensive above-ground insect complex as well. So for those of us that might not be so technical in nature, um, it's going to be significantly simpler for people to understand you know, what is in the product. So our max stack of a, what was an AgriShare Duracade 5222 is now just going to be known as Duracade Viptera. In in our instance before, you had talked about 11V76 that had both an above ground 3120 and a above and below ground 5122 version. And so what we've done there is if Viptera is not in the name or, or the trade of the hybrid, we took that name out of it. So now a product that has corn rootworm protection in it with above ground insect protection that doesn't have Viptera in it, we're just gonna simply call it Duracade. And on the flip side, if we have an above ground hybrid 
for insect protection that doesn't have Bipterra in it. We're just going to call it AgriSure above. So for the most part now, we're dealing with uh, basically four trade stacks who will comprise the vast majority of our portfolio. And you're looking at Duracade Viptera, Viptera. Then we would have Duracade and AgriSure above if the products don't have Viptera in it. So I think it's a lot simpler that way. A grower is going to know if he has VIP in it and how the product is named. And he'll know if it has Duracade in it, if the product is named too. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so really simplify things going forward where if you know uh, what the Viptera means, what the Duracade means, it'll have that in the hybrid name and you can see right at a glance what traits you're getting. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll run it down one more time for those of us that are familiar with older nomenclature. What used to be an AgriSure 5222 is now just going to be called uh, Duracade Viptera. Uh, what used to be known as a Duracade 5122 is just simply going to be called Duracade. Again, that's because it doesn't have Viptera in it, and it won't be part of the name. On the above ground portion of it, if a product has uh, Viptera in it, so that would be like our old 32, excuse me, our old 3220s, it's simply going to just be called Viptera. And if it's an above ground insect controlled hybrid, but it does not have Viptera in it, we're just going to call it AgriSure Above. Sounds good. I like it. So as the new seed guides start, um, like I said, being distributed, that's something growers and even us as seed advisors or GHX specialists can keep an eye out for. Yes. For those of uh, those of you that have or will be getting a seed guide, I think it's uh, maybe page 10 or 11 that will show a nice little diagram that will have it in there. And, uh, you know, there's also a couple of other trait offerings that the company has. I mean, there is some what used to be called 3122s and we've got some, you know, 5332s and 3330s. I don't really want to focus on those now, but there are some subtle differences, nuances. That's all shown and spelled out there very nicely. But again, for the most part going forward, we're going to have two above offerings, two below offerings, and they're going to be named incredibly easy and simple where a grower knows what they have upon purchasing of the hybrid. All right. Sounds great. Uh, and Steve, while I have you on the phone, um, and and we are a dealership here in West Central Illinois in the Monmouth area, but I want you to fill us in on another change that growers in our area or our region will notice in our seed guides uh, on the corn side. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, earlier in the year, you and I had a series of conversations where we, we walked through our lineup of 170-day corn to up to 116-day hybrids, and we talked about each one of those numbers and what they can bring to a grower we covered any potential watch points or management recommendations. And so for this year, for 2023, we have two uh, new numbers that we're adding to our lineup. And they're not necessarily in the heart of, of what we call that lineup, but maybe on, on either end for the fringes. So if we do have some growers that are looking to experiment, try something new, um, you know, just are open to something different, uh, can you introduce these numbers to us and what they bring to the table? Certainly. So on the early side of the relative maturity, uh, for you guys, we launched a new 106-day. Um, it's called uh, G06A27, and it comes to us uh, in the Duracade offering. What we liked about this hybrid is it brings us supreme agronomic stability in the heavy corn on corn and corn rootworm areas. So 
we see the home of this product primarily being um, I-80, probably over to I-35, um, up into um, southern Minnesota, southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois, northeast Indiana. Um, so that's where we really see its home. So in your case, if a grower is looking for an early corn option that really brings strong agronomics, you know, that's where we would position this one. Is term in, in terms of just straight out raw top end yield, we would rather have growers go with the 107 day, which would be the G07, G73. We do see that one in your market bringing more top end, uh, but the agronomics for the corn on corn acre with this 106 day are phenomenal. And that's really what we liked about it. And that's really why we brought it into the portfolio. So in your case, again, early corn option, or if in the future years, something happens and planting is delayed, growers want to move to a shorter season hybrid who need the corn rootworm protection, then I think this one becomes front and center and could be a major player or staple for you. Okay. But and it's available as the Duracade trait platform, you said? Yes, as the Duracade trait platform. Excellent. And then our other update to our lineup is on the other end of the maturity uh, spectrum. So what uh, do you have for us there? So on the more full season side, uh, we launched a product called G17A81. Uh, so we're looking at a full season, 117 day. Uh, this one we've tested for a couple of years in-house. We've really liked what we've seen. But again, this one is going to bring agronomic stability with really good yield but we don't see it in our lineup out competing on a raw yield standpoint what we have with uh, 15j91 okay so i want to be uh, you know pretty clear about that um, for the, like the raw top end yielding acre we still really like what we have with 15j uh, but what this one brings us is if you need something that's going to stand a little bit later into the fall this will give us an improved root and improved stock, uh, we have really good northern movement with this hybrid as well. So it'll actually go up into your area uh, relatively easy. It's great early season. It's a strong emerging product, so it can be a first plant option, a reduced tillage. I'm um, just really, really strong agronomics uh, top to bottom. Uh, this one comes to us um, in the Viptera brand. Uh, so we get VIP in the above ground complex. Uh, we do not have low ground so there is no duracade option which will really limit its corn on corn type of movement but think um yield stability on that average to higher producing acre on the above ground rotated type acre in your area that's where we would put this one sounds good well thank you for your insight and expertise uh do you have any closing comments on any of the above topics that we've covered today well, I would just say, you know, we're sitting here, you know, end of July, early August time period now. Uh, we've got a pivotal month coming up here in August for soybeans. Uh, continue to get uh, the applications on a fungicide if, if you haven't for both crops. Um, crops moving along pretty good here. We're going to have some heat facing us. So, you know, we'll continue to see disease. Uh, but if we, you know, if we get this heat, tar spot might not blow up as much as we were anticipating. And I, that's a good thing. Uh, we don't want that, even though I feel we do very well. 
in those heavy disease areas, uh, we still don't, you know, if we don't have it, it it's a plus for everyone. Um, but don't fall asleep scouting. Um, get your beans sprayed if that hasn't happened. Uh, we're having some upcoming field days here in the month of August that we'd love yourself and your customers to be at where we'll continue just to focus on high yield management, uh, things that growers need to be thinking about and doing going forward to help be more profitable on their farm. And before we know it, harvest will be upon us. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the field days because here in August, the week of the 15th, we'll be at the PTI farm with Precision Planning has and be talking about management techniques and how to really achieve the high-end yields with our hybrids and then also what other management practices have resulted in. Absolutely. I was able to visit the farm here a week ago and spent uh, all day kind of scouting out specifics of what we want to do. And uh, we're, we're really excited, as we always have been. There's so much there, but we'll continue to focus on high yield management systems from both what Jason does on that farm, as well as what our agronomy research team, uh, led by Brad Bernhardt's doing in-house. Uh, we'll look at Soybean, soybean yields. Remember, Jason got our 3192s and just that 110, 120 bushel mark last year. So I will revisit that. There's really good planning date studies, and we continue to see that is what's driving yield in soybeans. And we're launching a couple of new seed treatments that I think are going to help give growers even more confidence to plant early. So we, we know how great Sultro is. Now we've got another one that we can add to that to help out with. Uh, Pythium, Phytophthora. So it's going to be a phenomenal day of learning um, and and maybe one of the biggest differences that we'll have this year um, is in our morning sessions. uh, The engineers from PTI have offered to come up and we're going to spend ample amount of time talking about furrow creation and how that planter needs to be set. So when we're going across the field, everything is as right as we can possibly get it. We've spent so much time talking about fertility into the root zone. I thought it would be good to take a step back and actually just examine the the root zone in and of itself and the conditions that we're creating with the planter for our corn and soybean plants. Excellent. Looking forward to it. So uh, that will wrap up our conversation for today. So uh, thank you to Steve Wilkins, Golden Harvest Agronomy Manager, and we will continue to be in touch as the growing season marches along and we approach harvest. And... Uh, Thanks for what you're doing up there and and all your info for us. All right, that does it for this week's episode. And we still have a lot to talk about for future episodes this summer. So if you have any questions on any of the topics we've discussed today, or you have a topic for future episodes, feel free to shoot us a message at heritageagseeds at gmail.com Or you can always shoot me a text or give me a phone call at 309-337-9081. We are Heritage Ag Solutions, helping you leave a legacy that lasts. We'll catch you next time.